When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of stillcurtain.com. Joining me is my co-host, Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. We are coming off our second straight, just disheartening. This Steelers offense has been abysmal. We're going to get to all that. Uh, let's start by quickly recapping the Steelers-Browns game. Then we're going to get into some really, really concerning stats that Shane and I both pulled up about the Steelers so often so far this season. Uh, and then we're going to preview the Steelers versus Jets in week four and why that is such a pivotal game, even this early in the season. So let's start with Steelers Browns. This game did not go as planned. Obviously the Steelers ended up losing by multiple scores. That last touchdown at the end, kind of a garbage touchdown. They scooped it in for the score. Uh, it made the defense look even a little bit worse than what it was, but man, some big takeaways from that. And one of the biggest that I have, Shane, is this is the second straight week now. The Steelers have just been incapable of getting any sort of consistent pressure on the quarterback. They couldn't do it against Max Jones, and they couldn't do it against Jacoby Brissett. This isn't exactly the cream of the crop quarterbacks that we're talking about here, but you can see why it's so important to get that pressure because when these quarterbacks can step up, they've got that middle of the field wide open, and the Browns and Patriots in these last two weeks have just been able to make plays on them. Yeah, and people have to remember, like, for the majority of quarterbacks, pressure is the one thing you can do that will be able to throw them off. And if you do not get pressure on an NFL-level quarterback, nine times out of ten, they're going to be able to find somebody open, or they're going to be able to at least run the offense the way it's supposed to be run. And you look at the way Brissett has played so far this year, when he's given time and he has opportunity to make plays, for to his credit, he's been making them. And the same thing was the case in this game. He had Amari Cooper multiple times. David Njoku had a career day. It, whenever you don't get pressure on guys like that, especially guys who are looking to take care of the football to just find the right guy, if you give them the time to do it, that's what you're going to see on defense. It is so frustrating watching these teams over the last couple of weeks just nickel and dime them over the middle of the field, something that the Steelers – there's that picture going around on Twitter right now <laughs> where they're they're recropping the field there and it's just dirt. And we're like, nobody cares. I mean, Canada and Trubisky don't because they don't use that part of the field anyway. But uh, kind of comical, but – uh, in the same way, really sad that we're that we're not exploiting that in the same type of way. Uh, so that's something we obviously need to see it happen. We need to see it happen soon. The Steelers' offense is dropping to the bottom of the league in nearly every statistical department. Uh, so real quick, let's just drop our winners and losers against the Browns. I think probably you and I would agree that we're going to have more winners than losers in this contest. Yeah, it it just feels like there's always a few players every week, right, that are doing their job. They're trying to do everything they can, right. But it doesn't ultimately matter because when you miss a guy like Watt, whenever the offense just isn't getting it done because of multiple reasons that we'll talk about, 
just because a few players step up, it isn't enough to get us over the hump. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, and going on that as well with with TJ Watt, I think Malik Reed has been bad. And I'm sorry. I, I wanted to see something because his Denver tape was certainly better than what we're witnessing right now. The production was a lot better. But, man, this guy is just stonewalled at the point of attack. He's not getting involved in the run game, certainly not helping in terms of uh, pressures and win rate. All that kind of stuff is near the bottom of the league right now. Uh, you need to see more from him. And, and that's why I feel like fans are sometimes like underrate like how important a Melvin Ingram really was for the Steelers last year. It didn't matter that Ingram had no sacks by the time that he kind of forced his way out the door there. He was getting pressure at a high rate, and that is very beneficial to a defense. And that's something that the Steelers just can't seem to do without T.J. Watt. And so I want to point to that. Um, and in going with that, I think the secondary really struggled as a result of that. I think that works both ways. The secondary looked amazing in week one against Joe Burrow. Now Burrow had the yardage numbers. They did get to play that extra quarter in overtime. And Burrow's a good quarterback. But when you take the ball away, four interceptions against Joe Burrow, uh, that, that's a great game. I mean, this has not looked the same these last two games. Uh, I've had high hopes for Witherspoon. I'm not giving up on him yet, but he did get he did get eaten alive in this last game, and we need to see that start to trend the other direction in, in terms of how his play is going. Uh, and then, obviously, offensively, man, we're going to talk about Canada and Trubisky. Lots of, lots of fingers to point there and, and, and lots of blame to pass around. Uh, do you have any other losers for this game for the Steelers? I mean, you touched on Witherspoon. As much as he played very poorly – you look at the way that they game planned for Amari Cooper, asking him to try to cover him one-on-one multiple times during the game. There's a reason why Cooper was the only receiver with more than, I think, 10 receiving yards outside of Njoku, the tight end. Like, it just, mm -hmm. you, they don't have anyone else that can consistently win right now. So the fact that they couldn't or did not shade more coverage his way and Njoku's way in the middle of the field, that's, I think, more of a play calling on defense situation than just Witherspoon being bad. Although he was, I can't say he wasn't you know, bad, but I do think he has better potential than that. I mean, obviously I think he might be in his head a little bit after that weird Aguilar touchdown in week two. And like, I think he just needs to get his head on. Right. And hopefully sitting out the rest of that game and having chance to heal up with his, I think it was the, the uh, hamstring, hamstring, injury. Yeah, hamstring injury. Hopefully he's good and kind of just move on to hopefully a better game this week. So he is definitely yeah, one. Yeah, I think you hit that perfect though too because I wrote about that just beforehand as well. I'm like, yeah, stop Amari Cooper, stop the running game. I mean, that should be your focus. Single everybody else, nothing else matters. We we saw that Cooper is coming off a hundred yard game, uh, the game prior to that, in a game uh, in which the Browns were able to put up thirty points, and so that was going to be key. They weren't able to do that, and so the Steelers ended up losing that game. There were many reasons why, but that was just one of them. Uh, if we're gonna get a winner in this game, it, do we have any winners for the Steelers? I mean, not a lot offensively, I wouldn't think, but what do you got for us? I think the offensive line played very well, again, overall, and I think that's what's so frustrating. We've touched on this before. Is We all expected coming in the season that the biggest liability for this football team was the offensive line, despite bringing in some guys to help out, and those guys have helped out. We didn't really expect it to be anything more than maybe, like at the best-case scenario, maybe a top 25-ish offensive line instead of a bottom three like last year. But they've really held up, especially in the passing game so far. They really aren't making Trubisky's life difficult. You know, there's plays to be made there, even in the run game, more and more every week, it seems like. But we just can't capitalize on it. So I think they did a good job. I, I'm not going to blame them really at all for this week. I think that, in general, the defensive line, again, they cannot get pressure. But I, I do feel like Highsmith at least turned on a little bit near the end of the game, gave us a chance to get back in it with that sack to, to kind of get us back into that situation where we have a chance to go score. 
and the offense just didn't get it done. So I think those guys tried their best at the very least. I don't know if I'd call them winners per se, but I think that there's things that we can look at and improve on from here, but it's going to be all down to what happens offensively with the play calling. Mm-hmm. And I do want to applaud the Steelers for shifting the attention in the direction of Miles Garrett, which that was like key number one right there. That's what you needed to do. I feel like they contained him pretty well for the most part. He got some really quick pressures in there, bulldozed Dan Moore on a play or two. Uh, but they were able to keep him off the box score at least and keep anything from being too detrimental to their offense. Their offense struggled for plenty of other reasons. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Uh, for winners, for me, I agree. I think the offensive line did an uh, over, uh, overall pretty good job. Uh, I want to single out uh, Chakuma Korafor in particular. I think this guy has been pretty rock solid these first three weeks going back and watching the tape. Uh, I think he's the most well-rounded of the group right now in terms of run blocking, pass protection. Uh, did get flagged for the illegal man downfield. Last year. And what's what's the thing with everybody wanting him like suspended for <laughs> for falling on after? I understand the guy got hurt. It's It's – it's unfortunate, but it wasn't a core force fault. And that's part of the game. Offensive linemen, they're allowed to fall on someone. They're actually taught to do that after the play. And so that player can't get back up and, and make a play on the football. Yeah, I've been seeing that float around Twitter. Like, I, and I understand. It looks, especially if you don't understand offensive line play or you haven't seen that happen many times because it's not highlighted usually, right? Like, you might see mm-hmm. it on your first watch, but they're not going to go back and say, oh, wow, look at Because it happens more than people think. So they don't go back and watch it on the replay. Because that player got hurt, obviously that's highlighted. People see it. it. It doesn't look good to them. And that's all fine and well. But people who are respected in the NFL community have come out and said, like, hey, this is perfectly fine. This is their, this is teaching tape. Like, this is what we tell guys to do. It obviously didn't work out well for the Browns player. And, you know, that's not good, obviously. But it wasn't a core for trying to jump on a guy and hurt him. It was finishing the play and making sure he was out of the play. And that's what they're taught to do. Yeah, I certainly don't think it was malicious. I want to highlight one more winner here in this game, and I'll put him on the offensive side of the ball, actually, and that's Jalen Warren, who had kind of limited action. But, man, I've been impressed with what he's been able to do in terms of his his burst and quickness through the hole, his contact balance. Uh, Obviously, the opportunities are still very limited. I think he's getting like roughly 28% of the snaps right now. But on that catch and run, I know there was the penalty, and that's the play that we were just talking about with the core four. That guy was able to chew out a huge, he was like to the tune of like 60 yards or something after the run. And he just looked so explosive on that. And it didn't count. Obviously it was, it was negated by the penalty, but I want to see the Steelers kind of do more of that stuff with Jalen Warren. And I just feel like this is a guy that's going to be able to offer him maybe a little bit of that punch that they've been missing these last couple of years. 
uh, in the running game and in the screen game. And so I, I liked what he was able to do in that contest as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's talk about what, it, it, give me your biggest overall biggest takeaway from this game. What is it? Steelers versus Browns. I think the biggest takeaway is that this team is still very far away from having an offensive identity, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen the same type of things that have plagued them for the whole season so far in all three games. And to me, and that, that's where I kind of start with the whole play calling and we're, we're going to get into, you know, Canada and Trubisky situation, but the inability to understand, okay, what I'm doing right now and what we're doing as an offense is not working. It just, it, it is not, there's no evidence to suggest that it's working, there, nothing. But to continue to still do a lot of the same things outside of a few like hurry up drives and at the end of the game, they finally got Fryermuth involved in the middle of the field a little bit. They show flashes of that, but then they completely ignore it the rest of the time. And to me, it's either stubbornness from Canada and him saying, hey, this is my offense. I'm running it the way I want to. Or it's also a combination of Trubisky not being willing to change his play style from what he did at the end of his time in Chicago. We talked about it last week. He's a guy that got – I think he is legitimately scared to make mistakes because of how he was treated when he did make them in Chicago. And that is limiting his upside as a quarterback, even though he has some. I think athleticism-wise, his arm – there's nothing really there that says he can't be better than this. It's not Mm. like he's playing up to his talent level. He just isn't being willing to go ahead and be basically not afraid to make mistakes like you see some of the best quarterbacks do. Yeah, it's certainly a combination of the two. And you and I are going to put a percentage on that, on what we think here in just a few minutes. Uh, Let me give my takeaway real quick. Uh, I touched on this a little bit. I think the pass rush is just completely non-existent without Watt, which is super concerning because – that's how and the defense revolves around that. The defense revolves yeah. around getting quick pressure. It's not like they've invested heavily into their cornerbacks for this great coverage for three, four, five seconds. They can't do that. And they showed that even against mediocre quarterbacks these last couple of weeks. Uh, and offensively, I just go come my, my takeaway coming away from this is like going back and watching all three games multiple times, watch the all 22. These pass plays are designed to go to the sidelines. And we're going to talk about how bad. That is capping the Steelers' offense, but that's a huge takeaway from this week. Uh, it's been the same for the first three weeks, and it's something that's super concerning. All right, let's get to our next discussion topic here. Uh, the Steelers are making some changes, and not the changes that fans would like to see them make yet. No Kenny Pickett. Mitch Trubisky is going to be the quarterback. Uh, but the one thing that they did announce this week, Mike Tomlin said that Tyson Alualu is taking a backseat now. Uh, Montrevious Adams, backup nose tackle, is now going to be the starter. Uh, how do you feel about that? What, how do you think that those two guys have played so far? I do think you're right to say it's not the changes we wanted to see. And we'll talk about some of the changes we mm-hmm. might want to see. But this was something that I think needed to happen. You, you look at the on-off splits with him and Adams on the field against the run. I think it's five yards per carry when Elulu's yeah. in there and then 2.8 or 6 whenever Adams in there. Obviously, sample sizes yep, are different. Yep. But I think ultimately – we, we kind of should have, and I, to a certain degree, did expect that this might happen with Tyson. He's an older player. He's coming off a major you know, lower leg injury. That drive off your leg is such an important part of being a nose tackle, being able to plug up space. It's just it's going to happen with a guy like that. And I think them moving on now and letting him kind of take a back seat, maybe using him better, more sparingly, maybe you can get a few better plays out of him than you've been getting. And let a young guy like Adams, who luckily did get to make the roster, and is there now playing? I think that he has the potential to be a guy like him for the next couple of years for them, hopefully, who can be that guy in the middle of the defense for them. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I don't know if I view Adams as anything more than like that stopgap player, right. but I hope he can be a little bit more than that. He played five games for the Steelers at the end of last season. I thought he played pretty well overall, considering how depleted 
their defensive line was and the fact that he had just joined the team. And so I do think he'll be an improvement over the Tyson Alulu that we are seeing now. And I, and I kind of urge people before to temper your expectations with Alulu. We now have a, a 35-year-old nose tackle who is coming off uh, a season-ending ankle injury, missed 15 games last year. We, we knew that it could be a scenario where it was more than just rust, where this really might be the end of his career. And that's how it's looking right now, honestly. And the question that I've had these first three games is, where is Isaiah Loudermilk? Yep. Like the, the Steelers <laughs> moved into the 2021 draft. They spent a future fourth-round pick to do so. They got their guy that's six six and a quarter, is now about 315 pounds. They got this guy to stop the run, and they're not activating him. They're not giving him a chance to get in there. Now, I'm not saying that the Loudermilk is going to be the savior of the run defense that is 28th in the NFL right now, but I think that could help, especially – with Alulu playing the way that he has been so far, it makes me wonder if if Tyson should not only be benched, but maybe go as far to say, maybe you should be the game day inactive and maybe we can bring up Loudermilk, who happens to be 11 years younger, as fresh player that's that's ready to go and only had a handful of snaps last year. Like, I want to see that guy get involved. And maybe, maybe he offers something and maybe he doesn't, but you drafted him to be a run defender. This team needs run defense. So theoretically, let's let's give the guy a shot. Yeah, and all reports in camp, too, like you said, he put weight on. He's obviously a bigger player. That's what his really what he should be doing is being a run defender and high effort guy. That's what they need right now on this defensive line. Even even though as a pass rusher, he probably isn't going to offer a lot. He's at least going to have the effort and he can give guys a blow. Like you can get Hayward some rest that way. He isn't constantly dealing with double teams every rep and not even be able to come out of the game. Like something you can get something out of him that you haven't been able to get out of Alu so far. So I wouldn't be surprised if that change happens pretty soon, especially if in limited snaps he's still not producing. Then you might see, like, you know, Tyson, we're, we're going to keep you inactive for now. Like They have to have that conversation, obviously, with them. But mm-hmm. at some point they have to go to the guy, like you said, that they, they invested a draft pick in. Yeah, I think so, too. And you, you want to be able to see Hayward at this stage in his career be able to get some more rest. Like yes. The guy's still playing far too many snaps. The Steelers oh, yeah. are asking him to do too much. So somebody's got to step up to the plate here. And it's really it, – it's – there's really been nobody on that interior defensive line who has really stood out in a positive light. I think they've all been okay or just so-so, but uh, and it's early in the season, but I would like to see a combination of Leal and Wormley and Loudermilk and some of those guys be able to give him that rest that he needs. So we'll see if they can do that. All right, Tomlin confirmed that Trubisky is going to be the quarterback this week. Didn't throw us through a loop. Wasn't anything crazy. However, in the back of my mind, I thought, and we talked about this before, the Steelers are entering week four against the New York Jets, who not exactly the, the, the greatest franchise out there right now. You get a home game. You get 10 days to prepare. We said maybe this would be a time that we could see them make that change to Kenny Pickett. Trubisky's averaged five and a half yards in attempt. The Steelers offensively, if you don't count the Minka pick six, have scored 15.6 points per game. And so it's 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 not good. And it's right, right close to the bottom of the league. And so – we thought maybe this is the chance for change, but I'm not surprised to see uh, Pickett or tr- sorry Trubisky keep his job. Are you surprised? No, because I know how this team operates. I know what they're trying to do. But I think, and I've I said this I think last week, and I've said it in some of the report card articles I do for the Still Curtain about the quarterbacks. I at this point, the whole reason you start the veteran to start the year, and I, I understood why they did that for sure. It, it just it was the easy decision at the time. Yeah, is because you want to compete. Right, you want to win the games that you expect a veteran quarterback to be able to win, because especially if you're more talented than the other team or if you're just more disciplined than them, he that's a guy that you hope can get you the wins. 
He hasn't done that. He's not elevated an already bad offense, right? Like that's where he's he's dealing with a bad offensive play calling situation. We know that. But if you're the veteran quarterback, you have to be able to at least do a little bit more to overcome that than he's done so far. And I think he is legitimately getting in his own way at times. And if that's going to be the case, I'd much rather let Pickett go out there and figure things out, figure out who he is as a player within an offense that obviously isn't great. But I think he naturally will attempt more of the throws that aren't getting thrown right now. And that's a big deal for this offense if they want to get going a little bit. I started with two reserves about starting Kenny Pickett from the gate. I'm sorry, I started with one and now I have two. And it's not even the same one. Like the the initial reserve that I had was, can this offensive line hold up well enough to protect him? Or is he going to be getting hammered and getting his confidence shot every play? That doesn't seem to be an issue so far. Like the line is, is far from perfect, but they're offering some help for Dan Moore. And I think the other guys are doing a pretty solid job. And so that's not a big issue. Now the reserves that I have, about Pickett potentially playing would be, is Matt Canada going to handicap this guy? Is he going to be able to do anything on his own? Or is everything going to be so scripted that it's going to be the Matt Canada show and he's got the one or two reads and that's it. Kind of like we saw from the preseason, but maybe even with less success because that's what we've seen from the Steelers so far. Um, And now I lost my, I lost my talking point for my second one, but there was another reason. Oh, okay. So the second one is not something that I thought would be a big issue before, but this next stretch of game following the jets up to the bye week is brutal. Like you've got, you've got the bills on the road, the bucks at home, the dolphins on the road and the Eagles on the road. One could argue that those are like four of the five best teams in football right now. And I think that it's possible that the Steelers could, could get it handed to them in each of these four games. And so if you didn't start uh, pick it this week against the jets, I think the next window opportunity doesn't come until the bye week. I don't know if I want to throw him into any of those games. That's kind of the issue, though, too. And that's why I think if they were going to do it before the bye week, it would have had to be this week. And I think it would have made Mm -hmm. sense, too, because you give him a chance to actually play in the NFL against a team that you can beat. You're capable of beating, I think, and it wouldn't be a surprise to anyone. right? And now that they're not doing that, unless Trubisky really just – it gets so bad that it's even worse than it is now and like he looks like a mess – and they see there's no way we're going to be able to win games with him. Let's at least see if Pickett can do it. That's the only scenario I could see them moving to him at this point before the bye week. So I think if because of the way this week is going, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until then, like you said. Yeah, I would agree. And the back half of stretch of games is looking much more manageable. You still have some tough yes. divisional games, a couple against Baltimore, one against Cincinnati. Um, and then I believe that they get Deshaun Watson back for the Browns next time, so, right? Yeah. Theoretically. Believe, so, yeah. Uh, so that it's, it's still not going to be easy. The Steelers still have a tough schedule, but man, this slate after the jets is just completely brutal. And I would hate to put him into a situation like that, especially when I think the window would have been this week. Like th- yeah. this would have been like the warm up game. You got to get to jets. Not that it's a guaranteed win for the Steelers. It's certainly not. Uh, but I mean that one you're at home, you got 10 days to prepare. They're not doing it now. I don't think they do it until, uh, after the week nine bye. if I had to guess, Most um, likely, yeah. Let's talk about you and I each came up with the most concerning stats for the Steelers this year. And I've got one that if you haven't read the article yet that I posted, it's just mind boggling. I've never seen anything like it before. And I'd have to go back into like stat head or the archives and, and try to find when the, the last time this happened, but get this through the first three games for the Steelers this year, their entire wide receiver corpse, this is excluding running backs and tight ends, but their entire wide receiver corps has combined for 25 
25 yards after the catch in three games. Let me give you a little bit of perspective with that right now. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, two receivers on the Dolphins, very good ones, but two receivers. They have combined just the two of them in through three games for 236 yards after the catch. The Steelers aren't on a pace to, to have as many yards by the end of the season is what Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill do right now after the catch. It's so concerning. And what this tells me, just like the film backs up, is that this is very much a Matt Canada problem. Trubisky is not uh, blameless in this. He's missed receivers over the middle field. But these plays, and it's very easy to see, are designed to go to the sideline. They're either go routes, hitches, or they're out routes that go that, that lead the receiver to the sideline. And this is why you're not getting any explosive plays from the receivers after the catch. This it just blew my mind when I looked that up, and I'm like, I can't believe how poor this is right now. And where did the Steelers go from here? When when you tweeted that out and I saw that stat, I had to double check it because I thought, does he is it mm-hmm. like did he miss a number in front of there, or you know, like so, something didn't seem. It right. would have like, seemed that way, yeah. Right, and I, then I but then I thought about it for a whole two seconds. It was like, yeah, actually, that makes sense. I'm not going to even. I'm sure he's 100 percent right because you look at it and you talked about it. All the route concepts have them going to the sideline. And again, I don't understand that one bit because this is a guy who I've seen talk about how he likes yards after catch. He wants to create those situations for his receivers. He would be fooling us if that's the case because nothing is happening to that part of the field. They're not getting over the middle of the field. They're not even running routes that break out from the middle of the field out to the outside Mm -hmm. where they can run up the sideline. It's not even that. Like That would be at least something, but they're not even doing that. They're running the quick outs, like you said, go routes that don't even get targeted until recently. None of it is really making any sense if you're trying to create easy situations for your quarterback. Because one, those throws can be very tough. They can be, depending on the coverage you're getting. And then on top of that, again, it doesn't have, you're not going to have the opportunity for your guys to make plays for your quarterback that isn't exactly a world beater. We know this. You know, even at his best, Trubisky's not a top 10 quarterback. Like you need to give him the opportunity to let his playmakers that we've acquired over the years make plays for him. And I think Claypool, especially from the slot now, really is not benefiting from this because if you hit him on some deep crossers, get him in the middle of the field, he can run around through people. Like that's what he does well. And they're not using him like that. They're using him as like a, basically a gadget player, which that's a whole other thing that we can talk about. But everything about it just frustrates me because we have guys who can do that. It's not even that our receivers are incapable of being yak guys. They just aren't getting the opportunity. Yeah, and we've seen that. Like I think Deontay Johnson is one of the more slippery receivers yes, after the catch in, in open yeah. field, making guys miss. And like you said, Claypool could just long stride away. Like we saw him from the slot a few times last year where he was just able to take that right over to the sideline and turn it upfield. And so – it's so disheartening that they're not being utilized in this fashion at all. And it scares me. It's, it's again, it's going back to Kenny Pickett. It's the reason why I would be a little bit scared to put him in right now because he's not being aided by his receivers at all. And it's not the receiver's fault when, when the plays are designed to go to the hashes, to the boundaries, and they can't make things work after the catch. I take a look at the dolphins, like what they've done in these first three games. My goodness, Mike McDaniel. I mean, is he not a candidate for coach of the year right now or what? Like, this guy is getting his receivers in space and he's making Tua look like an all pro quarterback right now because they're working so well after the catch. And I credit Tua. Tua's had some really nice throws down the field and everything as well. But this is a guy who really struggled last year. Tua, Tua really struggled uh, it, it, last year for the Dolphins. And people wondered, is this the guy that we can even move forward with? Like that the play was that bad at times. And now you look at him, he's towards the league in yards, yards per attempt. All that stuff, his efficiency is is through the roof right now. 
but he is aided because his receivers are able to do half of their damage after the catch, which just has not been the case for the Steelers at all right now. I think Deontay Johnson, I just saw the stat pop up. I believe he's third in the NFL in yards before the catch, yards at the catch point. But it's not worth the compromise because when you can't get anything after the catch, you're, you're relying on, on all that damage to come there and you're, you're lacking all those explosive plays. And so that is my concerning stat. I think it, it, I mean, I can make a case that that might be the most concerning stat in football this year so through three games, because I've never seen anything like it before. So Shane, what do you have for us? Yeah. I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you on that though. Just as far as like the most concerning, cause it's so ridiculous sounding. It just doesn't even like, is, make yeah. sense logically, but yeah, I, I will say I have one that's not quite as concerning because it makes more sense and it's more understandable because of, unfortunately it feeds into the situation, but Right now, the Steelers are 31st in time of possession per drive. So they're averaging two minutes and 15 seconds of drive time per drive that they have. I didn't double check who's last. It doesn't really matter. They're probably right there with them. I can't imagine that there's a significant gap there. Point is, though, is clearly this team cannot sustain drives, and that's part of the problem, too. It's, it's one thing to just not create big plays, but if you can at least sustain drives, you can churn out drives, keep the defense off the field, get you know field goal at least, and get points on the board more often than not. I can live with that, especially with the personnel we have and the quarterback we have. We're not even doing that because the defense is on the field. They're 30th in time of possession that they have to be on the field at three minutes and 20 seconds. A minute difference in time of possession per drive for your offensive defense is not sustainable to have any shot of winning games. I mean, just look at the Bills. Even they had to deal with that where they were on the field for 42 minutes and they could still barely win because their offense wasn't efficient. At least with us, we don't we don't even have the chance to be on the field long enough to actually try to get drives going, and it's partly because of the play calling, obviously, but also we're just not we're not efficient running the ball yet. Still at this point, the passes when they are like I said, there's no chance for them to get extra yards after they catch it. Everything about the offense is basically it almost feels tailor made to get off the field as soon as possible, but not for scoring, just getting off the field. Yeah, those splits are so concerning, and it's it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Like it I know is, the Steelers yeah. came into this season wanting to play ball control offense, run the football. But guess what? When you're only average at best running the football and you can't control the clock, you got to scrap that game plan. You got to try something yeah. else because it's not working. The defense is completely gassed. You could see it. The end of both of the last two games, like the tackling was abysmal versus, uh, versus the Browns last week. I know a lot of that has to do with maybe being on a short week, not having TJ Watt. There's some other factors in there. But man, these guys are gassed. You can see it. They've played far too many snaps at this point, 100 on the dot in week one. And so yeah. it's just – in some of that, it's obviously not the defense's fault. It's the offense because they couldn't put the game away sooner than that. But it, this, this pace can't continue. And so I agree. That is a very concerning stat. Let's take a look at uh, Canada and Trubisky, the two biggest Steelers personnel talked about so far in these first three games and for good measure because – both of them have their hand in how poor this offense has been to this point. Like I said, 15.6 points per game uh, near the bottom of the league and in, in just about every statistical category, including DVOA. How much blame would you put on Canada and how much blame would you put on Trubisky? And Shannon, I want you to ask, I'm going to ask you this as a percentage. So give me a percent blame to Canada and a percent of the pie to Trubisky. I think at this point, I, I was fluctuating kind of back and forth with this over the first two weeks. And the more I look at it, I think it's about a 60-40 split. I think Canada is definitely the, the majority of the problem to a certain degree. 
But I think that the way that Trubisky plays naturally because of how he chooses to play football, it's exacerbating that existing issue, right? So he's taking Mm -hmm. a conservative game plan and saying, hey, what if I make it more conservative? That's pretty much the way he's playing. And again, I understand that's who he is as a quarterback. I think that we kind of all knew that if you look back at his last few starts in Chicago, especially. But Canada knows that too. And the fact that he's still calling a game plan that does not ask him really to do much with the football outside of throw it short or attempt long deep balls down the field that usually don't go anywhere, it's making that problem even worse for both ends of things. So I still blame Cannon mostly because he could and should be trying to formulate something that takes away some of that concern more than he is. And the fact that he's not is making Mitch look that much worse by proxy. Yeah, I've heard so many different opinions on this matter right now. They're like, there's some people that are like, it's all Trubisky, some people that are all Canada. Uh, someone that I, I very much respect in the football business has told me that he believes that it's 90% Canada and 10% Ooh. Trubisky. Okay. Uh, my number and my figure that I've used in an article as well is very similar to what you have. I have 65% of the blame going to Canada, 35% of the blame going to Trubisky. And it's just after I've watched these games, like I said, I've, I've watched them all several times now, watched the all 22 film. There are certainly some missed opportunities by Trubisky, like even on the George Pickens catch, like yeah. great, great throw, better catch. One of the best we've seen. Chase Claypool was wide open in yeah. the middle, waving his arms. There wasn't somebody within a 15 radius, 15 yard radius around him. Yeah. And so there, and that wasn't the only one either. There are more like that. And so, I think from the beginning, this has kind of been a lethal combination of the two because you've got a coordinator that is so set in his ways and wants to do everything to the boundaries, go to your first read, and you've got a quarterback who is kind of willing to go along with that. And one that I don't really think sees the field particularly well. I mean, it would be different if Trubisky was a guy who had averaged seven, eight and a half yards and attempt his career, whatever. He averages 6.6 in his career. And so – it's lower than that now, but it's it's a guy that's always been near the bottom of the league in that department. I think it's because he is a system quarterback who who kind of has to go through his progressions. Uh, Pro Football Focus has an advanced stat out there where uh, Trubisky is far and away the number one quarterback in the league in terms of throwing to his first read. And it, it was by a large, large margin, like 30% or something wild as well. So that's something to consider as well. So I, I do think a lot of that falls on Trubisky. However, when your game plan simply has nothing to do with the middle of the field where good teams are required to be successful on offense, that is going to hurt so bad. And like the stat that I just mentioned, 25 wide receiver yards after the catch this year through three games is just completely inexcusable. I mean, that's what you should get on just like one or two chunk plays and you have it right there. And they played three games worth and they don't have it yet. And so I, I feel like that's going to be my split. I still am leading towards Canada's the bigger factor. However, if I were to say who's more likely to lose their job, obviously it's Trubisky because yeah. the Steelers don't love their in-season firings. And Kenny Pickett is waiting in the winds here. They do not have an option at offense coordinator. I hope that it's not going to be Mike Sullivan. I'm kind of burnt out with the in-house hirings there. Uh, we can get into that topic on a later date. Uh, but let's move on. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate your support. All right, let's talk Steelers versus Jets. Week four matchup. Who would have thought that this game would mean this much at this point? But in the NFL, when there's only 17 games, every game matters. Uh, Steelers get the two and one or the one and two Jets this week. Same records what the Steelers have. 
And I think this game is really important because if the Steelers fall this week to one and three, like I said, you've got Bills, Bucks, uh, Dolphins, and Eagles coming up before the bye. And there's a chance that Steelers could go 0-4 in that stretch with the way that they're looking right now. Uh, Steelers are three. It started off three and a half point favorites. I saw that line just changed like an hour ago, uh, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. It now is, is tightened a little bit, and the Steelers are only three point favorites uh, over the Jets right now. How do you see that game going? Do you think that the Steelers are right to be favored? And what do you think that the do you think the Jets would actually be favored in this game if this game was in New York? I think if it was in New York, it's probably a toss up based on the the line. I think it's basically mm-hmm. like maybe 0.5, you know, Steelers or whatever it may be. But honestly, I don't know if obviously there's different reasons why they make the lines the way they do, but I don't think I would favor the Steelers even in the situation. I, you look at their offense, and I understand the Jets put up 12 points last week against the Bengals. Steelers have beat the Bengals, although, again, a lot had to happen for that to take place. I just don't know if any team that they play, if you can expect this team to put up 20 points offensively. And if they can't put up 20 points offensively, I don't think you can favor the team. That's just kind of where I think you're at in the NFL at this point. I know scoring has been down a little bit this year, actually, overall. But if you can't score 20 points and you have not shown that you can score 20 points, I don't think you deserve to be favored. So that's kind of my opinion. I know why they're being favored to a certain degree, but it's I don't think I would make that bet, honestly. I, I think that's fair. I really do. And and I, these last two weeks, I got it wrong because I've been optimistic in saying, all right, the Steelers offense, they're going to get it this week. One or two more explosive plays. There's the extra difference in the three, four points. They haven't done it yet. And so I I, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from until the Steelers do it then it's hard to predict that they will. And so I do think that changes need to be made. I hope that we see them happen, obviously, but we're just not there yet. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to our predictions here in just a minute, but let's talk about uh, the matchups, some of the big matchups to watch this week. Um, Nobody incredibly daunting on the Jets roster right now. They do have some young up-and-coming guys, uh, but not like a a Miles Garrett that you have to account for or Nick Chubb that you can know can chew off 150 yards on – on any given game. Um, and so what do you have as some of the, the biggest matchups this week? I think it's the run defense versus this, this combo of backs for the jets. Like I know they're young mm-hmm. and, you know, Brees Hall's a rookie player and Carter's second year, but they looked, they've looked pretty good overall. I think especially Hall yeah. is better pure runner. I think Carter still adds a little bit more versatility in the passing game, but those two combined, I wouldn't be shocked, especially the way the run defense has played so far, even with Adams coming in there and hopefully helping things out compared to Lulu. I'd, I just won't be surprised if that's how the Jets move the ball on us and that's how they keep possession and, and keep the defense on the field longer than we want them to be is by leaning on that run game. And if they, if it works, Zach Wilson coming back and being rusty won't matter nearly as much. Yeah, the running game is going to be big because both of those guys, they can they can chunk off big yes. yardage in a hurry. And so they, they both have plenty of speed to do that. Uh, that's something they'll definitely have to contain. I want to watch the Steelers' edge defenders this yes. week. And like I said, two straight weeks in a row where we've gotten just very little overall. Highsmith has, has offered some there. The pass rush win rate is not where I would like it to be right now, but I still think Highsmith is doing a good job considering the circumstances, considering he doesn't have Watt on the opposite side of him. Malik Reed, that's a different story. I think he's just been pretty downright awful so far. If you can't win this week against these Jets offensive tackles, there's going to be issues. I mean, I right, right now at this point, right? Because that's, had that's the thing is they, they've lost two two tackles for the season right now. They've three of them actually. They, they've lost Makai Becton, Dwayne Brown, and then they just recently lost George Fant to IR. And so right now it looks like it's going to be Connor McDermott 
and Max Mitchell. Those are your two tackles you have to go against. So if it's if what I want to say is if the Steelers, if, if just doing like a straight four man rush isn't working, blitz someone off the outside, blitz somebody to. up the middle. You have to be able to generate pressure. And especially this game, I think, too, you don't want to let Zach Wilson sit back there and get comfortable in his first game. This is a guy who can make plays down the field. He can extend the play uh, once he gets comfortable. And it, Wilson has not had a ton of success, but you don't want to allow him to get in that rhythm like that we saw Mac Jones and Jacoby Brissett get in each of the past two weeks. So that uh, the, the pressure from the edge defenders, I think, is going to be key in this one. Uh, do you have any other matchups for us this week, Shane? I think, and we'll touch on this guy, I think, a lot more as years go on because I really like him already. Garrett Wilson looks legit mm-hmm. as a receiver yeah, one does. for this team. And I think when you factor in the fact that Corey Davis is there and he's had a couple of explosive plays still, it, there's just too many guys there that I think the Steelers cornerbacks are going to have a rough time if the pass rush can't get home. And they haven't proven they can, mm-hmm. even against these tackles. I expect, obviously, to be better, especially I think Highsmith will be able to make some more impact plays. But if they have to cover for three, four seconds, these guys are going to get open, especially Garrett. Like, he's just been unbelievable as a route runner so far. And we scored the game in touchdown against the Browns. Everything he's done has translated from college to the NFL. And I don't know if any of our guys, especially Witherspoon, if he's still not really in his head, because mm-hmm. I'm assuming he might draw that matchup often. I don't think he can hang with him as right now at this point. So. Yeah, the Steelers have given up 100-yard receivers in every game so far, yes. and this could very well be another one. I agree with you. I think that Garrett Wilson is off to a rocking start with his career. He's graded out very well, um, and, and he just looks like he has the traits to be that that number one go-to guy. And so I think stopping that pass is going to be key. But again, it starts with that pass rush there. Uh, I want to talk about Zach Wilson because there are statements out there, and I'm currently in the midst of an article as well, is – is it better for the Jets, just not in the long run, but right now, for their six, for the chances against the Steelers to play Zach Wilson or to play Joe Flacco? Like, I know that Flacco is only one and two. He's had two poor offensive games, but he's had one game where he scored 30 points in one game, or, or actually in all three games, the Jets have averaged 370 offensive yards per game, which is good for ninth in the NFL. And so it's hard to imagine that number actually improving this week with Zach Wilson against the Steelers, especially considering he's got to shake off the rush. He's coming off a knee injury. Uh, so which quarterback do you think gives the Jets a better chance to win this game? I think it's a very good question. I do wonder for, for me, like I think if you are the Jets though, this would be a good game to put Wilson back in because you're probably not going to get a lot of pressure from the other offense. Yeah. Right. So like mm-hmm. ideally, yeah, like Flacco, probably if you're just focused on winning, he is a veteran, obviously is about as veteran as it gets in the NFL at this point. We know a lot about him, obviously the Steelers do, but I think that he probably makes less mistakes overall, even though there's been a couple you know, boneheaded plays that you always get with Flacco. But overall, I think he's been pretty good. I think the problem is if you're the Jets, it doesn't matter if you win this game. It doesn't matter if Joe Flacco plays well. He's not the future, right? They need mm-hmm. to find out as soon as possible. And Wilson, if he's healthy, if he's cleared, he has to be the guy because they have to find out realistically by the end of this year if he's the guy, because I don't think he lasts much longer than the end of this year, if he's not playing well and they need to give him the opportunity to go out and prove it. Yeah, you really do. It's it's like that two year window really for quarterbacks. And you really have a good idea of who they are at that point. You might not know, you might be on the fence with somebody. There's always like the Daniel Joneses of the world. It's like, how long do we give this guy before we decide to move on? But Zach Wilson, so far, the sample has just not been there. And obviously the jets have to do this, right? They have to go to their 23 year old quarterback 
instead of continuing to roll with the 37 year old guy. It's not like they're having great success anyway. Now, just looking at it this week and who gives them the best chance to win. I think Joe Flacco probably, probably. does because yeah, he has probably. that chemistry built with the receivers. Uh, he does have a winner's belt. And like I said, ninth in, in total offense right now. Um, he's done some things well for them. And I think he's been pretty good still as a pocket passer. So as a Steelers fan, I'm kind of glad to see uh, Zach Wilson come back in this game because I do think the Steelers should be able to get after him. Uh, we will see, uh, and it'll be interesting to see where Zach Wilson goes from here. But let me just uh, brief on some of his stats from last year, though. 5.3 adjusted yards per attempt was good for, like, rock bottom in the NFL. A 69.7 pass rating, a 28.2 QBR. And that goes with uh, nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So certainly not ideal production. Doesn't look like a franchise quarterback at this point in time. But like we said, the traits were there. We'll see if he can get it. Uh, they did build up a young cast around him, but the offensive line is missing some key players. This would just be one of those games, typically, where TJ Watt would just feed. And so it's too bad we don't have him in for this, but I am anxious to see what those Steelers' edge defenders can do uh, against those offensive tackles this week. All right, Shane, if you're to give me your key to success for the Steelers this week, other than outscoring the Jets... <laughs> What would it be? You have to because of the way the passing game is, and I can't expect that to get better. I just can't. I, I really hope it does. I hope we have a couple broken plays to go away. Something has to break for this offense to be good passing the ball. But if that's not going to happen, the running game needs to pop off. It has to be a game where Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, whoever else is in, whoever it ends up being carrying the ball, we give to Claypool on sweet, whatever. There has to be a few explosive, like true explosive plays, and that gets you scores. That's going to be the key while we're dealing with this passing offense that I think could be actually the possibility of happening. We've seen opportunities for it. Obviously, Najee Harris has had some issues. Occasionally, I think it's more of a trust thing still, too. But we've seen Warren have explosive plays. We had the little shovel pass, which that's just an extension of the run game. So that, that type of play, too. That is how they're going to have to win right now if they want to put up points on offense, and that's what's going to have to happen against this Jets defense from the win. It's really hard for me to make the key to success anything defensively. Even with the yes. step back the defense has taken the last two weeks, this is mainly an offensive problem, yes. and it's one that needs to be fixed. I think the running game has done better, and I think that there's been holes there too. Like yes. we've, we've cut up before, and we saw that there's maybe a few missed opportunities by Najee, and the Steelers' run game overall – has actually done pretty decent these last couple of weeks. It has to come in the passing game. I agree with you. And it has to come over the middle of the field. Canada has got to scrap those plays that he has and uses all the time, like the, the rollout pass for five yards to the sideline for Claypool. Uh, he's got to start passing the ball over the middle of the field. One thing that really irks me with, with Canada's offense too is, have you noticed like on third down, he'll, he'll be more content like throwing a YOLO ball down the sidelines yes. than doing like a rub route or a slant or a drag or something that gets a receiver open for the yardage that you need. Like, why are we doing that on third down? Why is that not like a second and short play when you're taking well, a shot down the field? Even the, the first deep ball they threw in the game last week that didn't end up getting completed on, I think, third and one. I Because <laughs> my whole problem with it is like, yeah, I'm glad you threw down the field. Do it on second down. Because if you do it on second down and it hits, mm -hmm. you're, you're a genius. If it doesn't yeah. hit, you have third down. And we saw that even last year, you know, Ben was taking a ton of just random deep shots. It felt like on third and three and third. And two. It's like, I understand. Maybe you don't trust your run game. Don't throw the ball 40 yards down the field, though, on third and three. Like that's just defenses. Yeah, they might not be expecting it, but you're not a team that can do that right now effectively. 
So that's a big problem. I think that even if you're going to throw the ball down the field and third down, don't just run go routes or whatever. Like you constantly throw at the out routes, just running out and up, have Deontay running out and up route. And just, mm-hmm. he's going to, he's going to beat the corner. Like it's, there's no way he's not going to on a, on a play like that. Cause they're not going to expect him to do that. Cause he's never, they don't ask him to do whatever, do something a little bit different. Even if you're going to take that approach of go forward on third down, deep down the field, make it something the defense actually has to think about. And you know, whether it's a double move, like I said, or something like that. Yeah. And the analytics would tell the Steelers to do it the exact opposite way. Right. Exactly. The way they're doing it right now. <laughs> like, like take that shot on second down, third down, make sure you get the first down and keep the chains right. moving. It's why the Steelers are 30 first in time of possession right now. And, and it has to change. And so I want to see them bring Johnson across the middle of the field. Let's this guy get in yeah. space. I know it's, do a Texas route with Najee out of the backfield. Like, I'll take that. Yeah, you, that's fine. Yes, utilize that the middle of the field. That has to be key, and it's something the Steelers. Like you could go back and you go to next gen stats. Look at those passing charts from Trubisky, and it's just a giant U shape with nothing going Crazy. on in the middle. It looks like a what's it? I the the second Batman movie there. Oh. Like, <laughs> Yeah, or like the whole field is caving in. Well, you yeah. can do without that part right there because we don't use it anyway. Yeah, so at least the the other team couldn't use it then too, so it would be good. Yeah. There, we got, it, would be, it would be worth the trade-off then for sure. Yeah, All I right, Shane so. and I are going to get to our predictions before we sign off for today. So, Shane, go ahead and give me your score prediction for Steelers versus Jets in week four. Well, I was right last week, unfortunately. So, But I, I kind of <laughs> feel the same way where like until again they proved to me that they could put up 20 20- more than 20 points, even really, because my score, I have 24 20 Jets. I think that the Jets are going to be able to put up enough points because they're going to be on the field a ton. Wilson will probably make a few mistakes, but one of his playmakers will make up for that. I think the run game is really going to be key for them, like I said before, if they can keep the ball and, and get just even if it's field goals and get a couple touchdowns. That's all they probably have to do to win this game until further notice. That's just kind of where I'm at with this offense. Okay. Can't fault you for that. Like you said, you were right last week. And I've been a little bit too optimistic. I think when it comes to Steelers offense, just thinking that they're going to make changes that they're not making. And so I do want to say Steelers again this week for the third time in a row. I have the Steelers winning 20 to 17, which is still under the point total. I have them at 37 total points. The the point total is 40 and a half. Uh, The Steelers have been under uh, for two of the three weeks so far. And so, I, it's just so hard to envision like these games being shootouts anymore. Like they're going to be slugfest. There's going to be ugly offensive play. Um, so I do have the Steelers winning just by a field goal. I think that this is the first time. That's my prediction. The Steelers, first time the Steelers are going to get 20 offensive points in a game. They had 23 against the Bengals, but uh, seven of those came on a pick six from Minka Fitzpatrick. And so 15.6 points per game offensively. That number's got to climb. I would be hoping that that Tomlin and Canada and Sullivan and all those guys are sitting down together right now saying, how can we make this offense more explosive? Let's yep. just do a few minor tweaks, a few minor tweaks, and maybe, maybe the Steelers offense can get 20 points. All right, that's all we have for today. Thank you for joining us today on the Still Curtain Podcast. You can follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter, at Tommy Jaga. You can download the Still Curtain Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and please check us out on YouTube. Thanks for listening to the Still Curtain Podcast.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.